Good evening and welcome to Baywatch Nights episode 3. I am one of your many, many co-hosts with the utmost, Mr. James Paul Matthews. And tonight I am with my good friend, Mr. Chris Hines, the renegade master, D4 damager with the ill behaviour. <laughs> Hello. And of course, the one and only who deserves an ocean of applause, Mr. Nicholas Box. Well, I'm recording. <laughs> Thank you for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like more nautical theme, like nonsense. Like, uh, Chris, do you remember in, when we was at Reading Festival 2013, we got bored and we decided to think of uh, bands that had like a nautical sort of like correlation. Like instead of Sepultura, we said Sepultuna. And, like, <laughs> and I just started thinking about that, like, what would be a really cool way to potentially kick this off? But I only came up with a notion of applause, which uh, the man of the hour, Mr. Nick Box, truly deserved. So, I mean, is that, is that a bit of a hint about what we're going to be talking about then? Because there's some ocean involved today. There's some ocean. A lot of ocean involved today. And um, my goodness, ocean. I've got some... Actually, no, I've got, not some, I've got a lot of notes about today, but I'm very excited to be talking about these two episodes. Uh, but um, one maybe a little bit more than the other, but uh, it's safe to say that the level of ridiculousness has just kind of uh, upped <laughs> since last week. Because, uh, of course, you know, recapping for any of like our listeners or maybe even some new listeners, uh, the Baywatch Nights podcast is basically a... Uh, I guess like a, an open-hearted and open-minded introduction into the almost, uh, I don't want to say infamous, but the uh, the very, very, very unique and original spin-off series from Baywatch, uh, which of course stars uh, the excellent Mr. I was going to say Mitch Buchanan, but I realised that is the actor. Well, technically Mr. that is still correct. Right? <laughs> <laughs> David Hasselhoff. Um, but uh, yeah, like so, we're on episode three of Baywatch Nights, and it's been quite an amusing adventure so far. And uh, I've been really enjoying this, but damn, I can't wait to talk about <laughs> one of these episodes tonight. I, I think it's going to be <laughs> my favourite episode so far. Wow, that's a claim. That is a claim. <laughs> we, we've had, we have had some bangers so far. We've had a, a woman, well, sorry, female, who we believe to be a silvery salamander finding an axolotl. Uh, <laughs> that's what we kind of came up with anyway. We've had rollerblading renegades. Uh, you know, it just gets more and more hectic. Gay bikers in bondage gear. Yeah, and, we've, had, um, we've had loads of stuff. Before we start, though, um, one thing I, I did... Um, discover today, which maybe we should watch this on another episode, is there was a pilot episode. There, there, yeah, I've heard about this, but I can't find it. Yeah, we need to find this. We need to go back because apparently it explains more about how they set up this you know, private investigation firm and everything. A bit of backstory. Mm. Have you noticed on IMDb the air date for the pilot was after... The, yes, um, I did. It said 2017 or something. Or I can't remember. It said it's like, no, 1997. I can't remember what. The like, was. Yeah, it's yeah. after the show. I think that was just a typo, though. To be fair, but Ooh. who knows? I mean, what I'm most excited about getting into this episode. So obviously, we're talking about season three, episode three, and sorry, season one, episode three, and season two, episode three. <laughs> what I'm excited about is we're three episodes in. Are we going to meet Lou? Lou rules. He's on every single bit at the oh. beginning. The Soul Man, is Lou Rawls finally going to appear on episode three? We're going to find out. We're going to find out. We certainly are. And to kick things off, of course, with season one, episode three, this episode name is Party for Einen Toten. 
Oh, but oh, but but okay. Yes, it is party for Einan Tolton, which is party for a dead. But according to IMDb and everywhere else, it's called Silent Witness. Yes. So what's right? <laughs> and it's another one with one of those really messed up um, synopsises that doesn't really ring true to the actual episode. I didn't actually read the synopsis. What was it? Yeah, what's uh, it saying? I'll do it now. Uh, so, okay. Uh, Silent Witness. A strange woman asks Mitch and Garner to help her seek out her daughter who accidentally becomes the only witness to a murder. Meanwhile, Mrs. Zen girlfriend, Destiny, has some... sequel summary? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, has some complications throughout the night after her bag was switched at an LA airport. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, it kind of does, I guess, roughly. Some of it, is, some of it rings true. Um, yeah. But I guess what we should do is we should dive in because, as we've all kind of pre-discussed, this episode has probably one of the greatest intros I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's just mind-blowing. Uh, how are we going to tackle this, lads? I don't know, Nick, what, 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 do you want to dive in? Tell everyone what's going on? Right, um, well... <laughs> um, <laughs> it's so how good. How do I explain this? So, the episode starts, and Destiny is... Destiny's like the, the the blonde, dumb blonde that they they're her friends with. Who can psychic. She's, psychic. She's a psychic yeah. woman, yeah. And <clears throat> she's looking for her bag. <laughs> Under a boat. <laughs> Under a boat. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> basically, what ends up happening is she's basically gets her bag and then everyone gets attacked. <laughs> I mean, that's the easiest way to do it in a fairground. And yeah. it just goes off. Um, so you've I think, got... James, I feel like you've got a lot to say about this. I mean, <laughs> I've got a lot of notes. I don't even know where to start. That's why it's just a smorgasbord of notes. It's just absolutely <laughs> incredible. So, of course, you know, as we just discussed, uh, it opens up with uh, Destiny, which, did you say she's going out with Mitch in the series, Nick? No, she no. I think there's some sort of implied relationship with her and Griff. No, because no, Griff is also kind of um, seeing the other blonde girl. Oh, Donna. Yeah. Donna. Yeah. I don't oh. know, maybe Griff's a bit of so a player. Who knows? Just like their weird friend then. <laughs> weird, okay, so weird friend Destiny is hiding under a boat and then enter Mitch Buchanan Garner. I love Mitch's suit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> that is on point, but... Um, basically, yeah, she's uh, hiding under a boat trying to look for a bag. And then um, all of a sudden, well, before <laughs> before it all kicks off, the narrative uh, for Mitch Buchanan, I didn't know what was in Destiny's bag, but I couldn't shake the feeling that it was definitely trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I've got that noir hoff talking. <laughs> that just kicked off the entire episode where all of a sudden it, it, these these two guys come out of nowhere. Um, <laughs> well, one of them basically strangles <laughs> strangles Destiny, grabs this bag, and then um, all of a sudden Garner he takes this really unconvincing punch right to the chops. And then this really, really awesome uh, Hammond organ music starts playing. And then all of a sudden, the struggle and the pursuit, it all ensues. But it's all over Destiny's bag, which we haven't got a clue why, they, yeah, why, why they're doing it. 
but then it gets even more hectic because they're, they're on like the, the waltzers which is kind of like if you don't know what waltzers are i don't know whether that's a universal term they're like an extreme teacups i guess <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they're fighting on this on this ride in this fairground and uh, destiny leans on the um the switch and it starts going and honestly <laughs> and they're, they're trying to grab this bag while they're in these kind of i'm going to call them teacups spinning around and oh my god like mitch's face as they're spinning it's <laughs> so um, I, I, I don't know how you can explain it it's just so funny <laughs> like, i just got like on my notes here just, i just keep going on about the mitch's facial expressions and as the bag is getting flung around <laughs> yeah it's crazy. And like, one of the things I'll notice though, right, is like there's this fight going on in a fairground. One, where are all the staff? Two, why is the power been left on? I mean, you know me, I like to pick these little faults. <laughs> I, you know, I find all of these things. So, I mean, that, that needs to be explained in the first place. But yeah, so they're going around on this merry-go-round teacup thing, trying to get this bag, throwing it around. Then there's, then there's this epic throw of the bag where it goes like stupidly high. Do you remember that bit? Like yeah. it was... um. And it well, lands on a Ferris wheel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it lands on a Ferris wheel. Yeah. Before we get to that, um, I did add like a couple of notes, which, which had some very sleazy camera work. Very sleazy camera work. Um, it's just like you know that. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking about it. It just really makes me laugh. But there was just such an unnecessary cleavage shot of Destiny running yeah. up the stairs, and it just <laughs> semi zoomed in. I was just like. I mean, let's be fair. There's a lot of these shots. There's a lot of these shots throughout these episodes. There was, um, then there was a bit. The blouse gets ripped off, and she's just in a bra for most of it. Pretty much, <laughs> typical Baywatch, really, isn't it? But like, then there was the throw me the bag, <laughs> followed by like this, this, this throw, which clearly defies was... the physics. Oh god, it was the most awful throw I've ever seen. It was the, it was rubbish. That wouldn't have gone anywhere. That throw that he did off of the Ferris wheel. It was terrible. And this is where I, I'm getting a bit nitpicky with the details. Like, you know how you home in on things when you just yeah. like, you need to, this is my time right now. So when I was a kid and I was in Dame Janet Junior's school, I was the school champion at rounders and baseball. And I had the, the furthest and farthest throw out of all the kids in the playground. No other kids have, fucking touch me i was the shit really good back then now at that point i'm just looking at this throw like with the handbag and i think okay how far would that go in meters and it, that <laughs> that throw of the bag has just totally defied the laws of physics it was just like a discus champion had just kind of decides to step in for like a a, a stunt of throwing a bag which kind of just like went miles and miles away but <clears throat> Nick, it conveniently landed on the ferris wheel and it's just like <laughs> i was getting so i had to pause it for 10 minutes and replay that over and over again i was just like there's absolutely no realistic way that bag was thrown that far the but best way i could describe it is imagine throwing something when you've got a dead arm <laughs> it was a bit <laughs> like that <laughs> Where you really try and put the effort in, but it just flops. It just looks pathetic. But somehow, yeah, like you said, it defied the laws of, of physics and flew like an incredible journey. I mean, to be honest, I don't. It's really hard for us to sum up 
how incredible this scene is because there's so many facial expressions and things that are so hard to describe. But just believe us when we're saying that this is, you know, we're really underhyping this. Yeah, I mean, it's a nine-minute action sequence that opens the episode. So it's like a quarter of the episode is this one action sequence. And I mean, when we haven't even got, we haven't even got there yet. So all we, what's happened yet is they've gone around in the little teacup rides, they're trying to get the bag, and they do this epic throw, and it lands on the Ferris wheel, and they're fighting on the Ferris wheel, and, and then Mitch throws the it. To, yeah, and he gets his suit ripped as well. Yeah. Right? And then um, you know, uh, Mitch throws the, the bag, and it gets to Destiny and everything, and then there's this bit where um, they're on, what are they on again? They're on, the, oh, they go to the carousel, don't they, next? Yeah. Oh, oh, no, 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 not the carousel next. Oh. Is it not the carousel next? <laughs> was, it, was it that bit first? Yeah. yeah. Before that, before that, Destiny going down the slide, who then. Oh, gets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, the slide. Yeah. <laughs> then gets Goldberg speared by one of the villains and just taken off entirely. <laughs> and then probably the. The best. <laughs> 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 It is, this bit is just gold. It's absolute gold. I mean, it is. It's the equivalent of the. Um, oh, is it the Austin Powers scene with the the bulldozer? Yeah, <laughs> that kind of thing, right? Basically, what happens is yeah, is that Destiny kind of falls over on some train tracks and the world's slowest train smallest slow- slowest train <laughs> yeah, slowly <laughs> progresses towards her i'm pretty sure even if that train made impact it would probably just stop it was as it was if like thomas the tank engine just ramped up to a pg certificate at that moment i was just like whoa my god yes. this train is so slow and it's so to recap to recap, we've got, we got teacups, we've got a Ferris wheel, we've got them going down a slide. I hope you're getting the gist of how amazing this scene is. Then we've got her lying on the train tracks with the world's slowest train. Imagine one of those shitty children's trains. Well, it's like, like one of those going fairground trains. Yeah. <laughs> one step up from a model. It was literally filmed like an old, like, you know, 1920s, like, woman on the tracks kind of thing with this really slow train. And honestly, yeah, some of the bits, it didn't look like they just replaced it with a model, didn't they? It looked yeah. like it was just a model one at close-up. It was easily going at no, no further than <laughs> five miles an hour. <laughs> even when she was passed out on the train tracks, they were still zooming in on her cleavage. For... <laughs> it was just like... Yeah. Still- well, I don't want to say tension because uh, it's not like the uh, train was going at a uh, <laughs> hundred miles an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but so then, so then one of the bad guys, he's got the bag and he runs onto the carousel. I don't know why you would run onto a carousel if you were stealing a bag. I mean, that just seems like a really like, ridiculous thing to do. There's a bit of a, a tussle on there. And then basically... Um, there's a bit of a kind of Reservoir Dogs kind of esque scene, isn't there? Yes. Where everyone's kind of got a gun pointed to each other's head. Uh, one of my favourite lines in there is when um, the guy's like, I'll put a hole in your head. And Mitch goes, she already has a hole in her hole head. In head yeah. <laughs> what does he mean by that? Is he just talking about her ears? Is he saying she's got no brain? Is he just insulting her while she's got a gun you've to got, you've, you've basically got a, a crook with a gun to destiny one end. You've got Garner in a, in a, um, on, a, on a bit on his own in the middle. Then you've got Mitch the other side holding a gun with like really te- intense, tense, brutal shots of Mitch holding a gun uh, <laughs> at the crook. 
And then this just gets brutal. This just takes Baywatch Nights to like a brutal level. Mitch yeah. pulled the trigger. <laughs> and then here's the best thing, right? So all this has happened, right? And then they managed to like, you know, it all kind of comes to an end. Yeah, but Mitch is a murderer. He, he pulls a trigger at, like, and you hear a gunshot and it fades to black. Mitch Buchanan has shot a crook. He's actually murdered somebody. <laughs> like, yeah, but it, it, this, is, this is where it gets good. This is where it gets really good. So obviously they're back in, in the good old office. I mean, one bit, I don't know if anyone else saw it, when um, Garner looked at um, Mitch's um, wound, and when it, it's just a flesh wound. It just reminded me of the Black Knight from Monty Python. <laughs> I don't know why I instantly thought of that. But the best thing is, all we realise is, is that she picked up the wrong bag at an airport and all these people just clearly fucking overreacted so much. She only just got to and go, excuse me, love, I've got the wrong bag, and just swap them. But the best thing is, okay, none of this has any re- relevance at all to any other part of the entire episode. It was just the most hectic, action-packed intro, which leads to nothing. Yeah. Literal nothing. Somebody. I know, but there was there was just for no reason. It didn't build up. You thought that you know. I thought normally you start an episode like that, that storyline's going to continue. You know, they find out that we're all connected with a cartel or something. You know, Escaban's involved. That kind of stuff. Nope, it's just done. That's yeah. it. Done. The only conclusion it led to was Garner's ripped jacket. Yeah, yeah, that was it. That was the only bit that kind of, you know, I mean, it's, it's a spoiler for later. It's not really a spoiler. But that's the only bit that continued further down the line in the rest of the episode. It was, was a device so Garner could wear more snazzy clothes. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so all that happened, it was, it was incredible. It, as Nick said, it was nine minutes of action-packedness. But it was absolutely pointless at the same time. It, made, it gave no extra information for the rest of the story whatsoever. But it was incredible. I do love the fact that Destiny had an emergency sewing kit in her bag as well, just really conveniently at that point in time. I just thought that was... Uh, and there was I mean, if she didn't, it would be filed under H in the office anyway, so <laughs> that'd be fine. I do... There's something that I've noticed that seems to be a bit of a running theme throughout all of the episodes, at least in season one so far. So a lot of the dialogue... Um, between two characters, for example, let's just say like the Hoff and Garner, um, the Hoff's like saying something, and then all of a sudden, him and Garner will say a word together. So I got that written down as well. They said I and we together. Yeah, like, yeah. and they say it, and every time like two characters say the same word together, it's very inquisitively. It almost seems like a running sort of like gag throughout the episode so far. We're going to have to keep an eye on that, aren't we, to see whether it is. But yeah, I picked up on that exactly as well. Yeah. Yeah. Did, what was the, the line? Did I actually write it down? I think I just wrote I and we. I think that's pretty much all I've, all I've written. We? <laughs> yeah, loved the sink, I and we. That's literally all I've written. Like but anyway. It. Yes, go on. After you, good sir. Yeah, so after all of that, which basically gives you no context into any other part of the episode whatsoever, but it was highly entertaining. Um, we then see Mitch pull up to the beach in his car, on, uh, literally just there. parks the car in the middle of the road, like it's not even like, properly parked, and he just gets out and goes for a jog. He just leaves it in the middle of a road. I mean, look, that was my first issue, like complete awful parking. Did, we, did anyone pick up on the... Um... <laughs> the whole kind of beach to 
first time analogy as well. Like Mitchell, oh, yeah. yeah. I was four years old when my dad took me to the beach. <laughs> <laughs> and the first shot is like a side boob of some bikini, as, well, as he's saying it. Yeah. But we did miss a little bit. There was a bit in the office where basically Ryan starts telling Mitch that there's a that she's going to inherit uh, an estate from the person that she bought the, the private eye company off of. And that's oh, the yeah. plot device for later on in this episode. Indeed, yeah, indeed. So, obviously, Mitch is jogging along. He's he's jogging along in a hoodie as well. I mean, anyone who's been to California, it's boiling. No one jogs in a hoodie along the Cal- California beach. So, I don't know what's going on there, unless he's got some sort of iron deficiency and gets cold. <laughs> <laughs> that's the only thing I can think of. But then um, we go to a scene with a, a young girl. Does anyone want to start explaining about the the, the young girl? So there's this young girl in this truck. Uh, she's obviously a hitchhiker, and the guy goes to let her out the out the door, and she's like, "Go away from me!" Like the guy's giving her a lift, and she's like, automatically like taking every single movement he makes as a, a t- attempted rape. <laughs> <laughs> Um, she's reacting quite a bit and then um yeah she hops out um we don't really know what's going on with her and then she walks over to these rocks and she spots a man swimming and she likes to watch him swim yeah she's she's watching this man swimming and then suddenly out of nowhere some scuba diver comes along and literally it's literally like underwater kidnap he like (laughs) grabs him pulls him under the water she's watching doesn't really know what's going on um and she basically watches this this you can't see the underwater scuba diving man, though. But he literally comes out of nowhere. Like, how long have you been, been tailing him in the sea? But that long... I mean, that guy that was, was quite, quite far, far out, out as well. Yeah. Yeah, he was pretty far out. So, so um, yeah, I mean, he, they must have been following each other for, for ages. Yeah, because, like, all I've got in my notes is, where the fuck did that scuba diver come from? <laughs> like, <laughs> I've been tailing him. But the funniest bit for me in this entire scene was... When the, sc- <laughs> when the scuba diver emerges onto the beach like the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> yeah, he's grunting and stuff. Oh. He's like grunting. <laughs> it's like a cross between the creature of the Black Lagoon and um, Doctor No, James Bond, with um, Pussy Galore. <laughs> I mean, it could have been, been the Ajogan again. <laughs> the Ajogan could have been back once again. Who knows? But yeah, so he's there, he's grunting, and he's chasing her like he's some sort of animal. And then um, he, he kind of falls down the rocks <laughs> at one point, which is so overacted, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like he falls down those rocks. <laughs> but there's this, there's this bit which I didn't actually pick up on. Um, I don't know if you picked up on it at the time, but I had to, to actually um, watch it back a few times. So she runs to the beach. Uh, actually, Mitch says a great line here. He said, the second I saw her, she was drowning, even though she wasn't even in the water. Because <laughs> 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 he obviously saw something was, was going on. And then she falls over two people. They're, they're clearly in clear sight. Stumbled. Uh, and, bleeding. and I'm like, why is her head bleeding? Yeah, when did that happen? Right? Okay, so I, the rock. I watched it back. Right? Do you remember when she did a very low ouch? Yeah. Ouch. That was it. That was the time. You literally, if you watch very closely, it's a really terrible angle, but her head just jolts slightly forward and she headbutts a rock. But it's, it's really not obvious whatsoever. I didn't even notice it. But like, you didn't know. Like, why the fuck's her head bleeding? <laughs> hey, James, did you pick up on that? Um, it was something 
that I did later pick up on, but I picked up on something else um, about the uh, villain's voice. His voice in that rock climbing uh, bit, yeah. when he talked, he sounded like Will Ferrell. But for the, <laughs> the episode, he sounded a lot more deeper. Um, yeah. when, he, when he was talking in that one scene, he, he sounded like um, oh, Will Ferrell's character in Austin Powers. Right, okay. Yeah. It, it was just well, like, I, yeah, sorry, go on, Nick, after you. Mate. What I was going to say, no, what I was going to say is I'm agreeing with you, but like, I, I know it, it's clearer now. Now you've said that, it's even clearer to me now because when, he, when you see him next in another scene coming up in a minute, I, at first, I thought, is that the same guy? Because he sounded and appeared a lot different. Even though he looked the same, he was more bumbling as the, as the angry diver, and he was more like an evil villain when he was with the woman when he's in the next scene. Yeah, hmm. it's like he'd just gone from Scooby-Doo villain to James Bond villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, obviously, going back to where we were, so, we, obviously, she had fallen over. They obviously go and check on her. And you know, check she's okay and everything. Somehow, I don't know how. Maybe someone could explain. Somehow, they instantly assume she's a runaway. There's no evidence that she's a runaway. She doesn't say she's a runaway, but somehow they know she is, which they seem to do a lot of in this program. That it seems to make wild assumptions um, that <laughs> somehow end up true. Yeah, and I, I remember a bit where, they, where she says she's a runaway or gives she any picture indication. wallet up, does not she? See where she comes from. And says that that's why she's a runaway. I mean, maybe. I mean, she had a. What, she, what did she have again? She had a. I'm trying to think what they had when she fell over. Runaway. <laughs> I mean, all, all she said is, is, we want to take you back to your your parents, and she said, I don't want to see them or something. Like yeah. a guy. I don't know. Mingo. Just... Oh yeah, Mingo. We'll get to Mingo. <laughs> Oh. So <laughs> obviously, <laughs> so obviously, um, you know, she's um, she's fell over on this beach and everything, and they've gone and checked up on her. Then she's legged it, and she's she's run off. And then we switch to a scene with um, bumbling diver man, who's now James Bond villain, <laughs> and um, and this woman. Uh, we find out that the guy who's been killed is uh, Mr. Tom Rob of Laser Records, <laughs> 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 who, who they've who they've actually murdered. Um, because I can't remember what it was again. What, what they, they were getting divorced, weren't they? And he was going to like keep all the assets or something, wasn't it? Is that right? Yeah, he caught them in bed together or something. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah he caught them in bed together, and he was going to keep all the assets. So they killed him so that she could still inherit all his wealth. I think that's right. Is that right? That's it. Yeah. yeah. Serious, serious foul playing gold diggery. Yeah, some proper gold diggery. So obviously, we find out that's happened. And then we go to Mitch and Ryan in the pool hall. And Mitch is just staring yes. for ages. <laughs> Literally, both hands on the pool table, just staring forward really intensely while Ryan's trying to talk to him. I did I found that scene really amusing because like, it, it was just the, <laughs> the intensity of the stare. It was just like, Mitch, Mitch. But... Following up from this, Garner enters the club like a pimp. Oh, God, yeah, that blue-green jacket. That's probably probably my favourite, yeah. I think that's my favourite, honestly, yeah. And then, like, Destiny bowls up. Cosmic. Wait, wait, not just Destiny. This is the first time we see Lou. Uh, Lou comes in and says that um, Garner's jacket is totally cosmic. 
Yes. He sings every <laughs> single line he says. <laughs> L- Lou did not disappoint at all for me. He was great. He had it in such a small amount of time. He came in, like, he went straight in with a possible obscenity. Because while they're talking about, um, how was it? Uh, Mitch says something like, oh, does he think he's... Um, Shaft. Uh, yeah, Shaft. Yeah. And he went, you mean he's a bad mother? You know, about to, <laughs> yeah, about to say, yeah, about to say bad motherfucker. And then obviously Mitch closes him down. And then Lou just mumbles this thing. I can't, I don't even know what he says, but where, oh, he sings as well. He does this little singing line, doesn't he? Because nobody understands him but his woman. He's <laughs> a bit like Rudy Ray Moore, wasn't he? Like a Dolomite type character. <laughs> yeah, he mumbles something and just wanders off. It was great. I've been waiting for him for for a long time, and he didn't disappoint. I hope I see him again, just come in and mumble something. I hope he's just one of his one-line classics. He, he comes in, says something epic. And... He's got a very soothing voice as well, just naturally talking, you know. Like, uh, I just love the whole Shaft reference. Okay, so I pronounce it Shaft, like in the movies, but people yeah. say, no, it's Shaft. And I was like, no, it's Shaft. Just lean to it. So I'm going to say Shaft for the whole reference to this point. But That's fine. I'll, Shaft reference was absolutely awesome. I really appreciated that. But I also realised that Destiny was dressed like Michaela Strachan on daytime. Tele- <laughs> yes, I would totally agree with that. I just acknowledge the fact that I love the fact that Lou is like highlighted in the credit sequence at the beginning, yet he's done next to nothing. And I love that. I love that he has got a prime spot in the credit sequence and he's done nothing. He's got in there just for being cool. <laughs> that's literally it. And I still love the fact that his name is Lou in real life as well. I don't even know why they bothered changing his last name. It made no difference whatsoever. I mean, so far, I feel like Lou's definitely the MVP of this whole series. Yeah, Lou is <laughs> the MVP. Um, so going to the next scene, we're, we're seeing uh, Mitch reading a book called Modern Surveillance Techniques <laughs> with some binoculars on the front. <laughs> It's very, very, very legit. <laughs> totally legit. And, uh, <laughs> and then Garner comes in and says a great line saying, if you're not surveying that, that book ain't working. Talking about the volleyball girls that are playing down on the beach. <laughs> Mitch goes, if I survey that, I won't get a license. <laughs> yeah, and that actually brought up a big question. He's saying, if I study that, I'll never get my PI license, okay? So that means he is currently working unlicensed Mitch, unlicensed people. private investigator what he is doing is highly illegal i mean this isn't the first time go back to the, le- the last episode he was doing lots of highly illegal things mitch is a criminal <laughs> he is what he- i will add upon this in a little bit but like uh, yeah this is one thing but d- definitely one recurring theme throughout this entire series is that mitch buchanan is a terrible pi and this goes to further heights. A little bit later. <laughs> we will get to it. I will highlight. But there was another. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. There was another scene with uh, Mitch and Garner just after this, and Mitch is walking down the street, and all of a sudden, Garner comes into the shop when Mitch is walking down the street. And for me, it was so hilarious because it was as if Mitch totally didn't acknowledge him walking across the street to come <laughs> and meet him in the middle of the pathway. It's just like, oh, Garner, like. Where have you come from? <laughs> this is it's so badly like timed. It's, oh, but I don't know, I've got a right kick out of it because of just how. Oh, Garner! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna have to watch that bit again. I didn't pick up on that. 
but then obviously we go to um we meet uh, mrs cartwright which is the girl um hayley is she's called it's her mum and she comes into the pi office saying that she's trying to find her daughter and can they help and um they've got this uh postcard um and it's to someone called mingo <laughs> mingo the mingo the surfer so obviously they go out and they try and um hunt down mingo we also learn at this time as well that as well as being a top record producer mr tom rob was also a um the catalina channel race winner so he was actually <laughs> a, a professional swimmer as well which explained why he was out so deep you know it's a it's a small note but it's it's worth noting <laughs> So obviously, they, yeah, they're going to find Mingo the Surf. They don't find him. I don't think they find find him yet. I think they go to the club first. Is that right? Mitch goes yeah, out to the club. Well, you got the you, you got the scene with um, you got the scene with Garner and Ryan taught by the boats, and the um, about when when uh, Ryan had run away when she was nine, and uh, all she took with her was a peanut butter and banana sandwich, and Garner <laughs> asks. <her, laughs> well, I Mice or mush the banana, oh, yeah. <laughs> and she said she mushed it. Anyway, mush is the only way. <laughs> <laughs> Forgot about that. <laughs> it was just a really kind of, you know, bit of kind of learning a bit about the characters. Had real no point to it. All we found out is that Ryan wants to run away for two hours, and Garner wants to run, run away for two and a half. <laughs> that was basically he didn't it. run away because it was only until bedtime when all of his brothers and sisters went up there they realised he'd gone missing <laughs> <laughs> so, com- completely pointless story but entertaining so then um, Ryan goes to get her estate which turns out to be a really shit trailer park trailer and there's like I, I, I didn't take it all in but there was some quite great lines from Mitch <laughs> standing up and was he standing up in the back seat of his converted car? Yeah, I think he was. Yeah, <laughs> the, the one thing that I took from this particular scene, because as you say, there was some really good lines in this, but it was that drunken guy in the chair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and then and Ryan goes, "Look behind him, you see that?" And that guy goes, "Yeah." <laughs> <laughs> You'd think he'd be offended, but you know, because they basically just insulted him. Oh, that made me laugh so much, that did. It was just like the most... Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, my God. Like, that guy is just like the quintessential, like, American, like, waster. But yeah, and he then wearing a nice bucket hat, though. Yeah, and, and then Mitch was like, right, well, I'm going to leave you here to do your stuff, and I'm going to go to this dead man's party. I don't know how we got an invite or anything, but he just rocks up at this dead man's party. Well, he goes to nights first, but it's just... Oh, yeah, sorry, yeah, he does. And he's wearing that white jacket that he always wears when he goes to nights. He's and going did to be you... Oh, that. A bit of 80s movie trivia for you here. Uh, so in the montage, there's obviously, like, someone playing a show at nights. And it's the guy from Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. He's the blind blues guitarist in, oh. uh, in Roadhouse. His name's Jeff Healy. Um, oh, yeah, came, this is obviously like 10 years after Roadhouse so he looks a bit more haggard than he did in that but then there's just like a montage of Mitch like at mm. the nightclub driving his car and then turning up at this party 
Oh, and don't forget, don't forget that the um, evil Bond villain is at the club. Yeah, but then he's also at the party. Yeah, I don't know why he was at the club. Why? Why? If there's a party going on, like you know, and he's obviously clearly invited, why is he going to go to a club first on he's his own? On Mitch. But why is he spying on Mitch? How does he even know Mitch is involved? Because when Mitch rests oh, yeah. on the beach, he's staring at Mitch. I forgot about that. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> I, for- I did. I forgot about that. Yeah. So when the uh, uh, Haley is is on the beach and she's her head's bleeding, yeah, the the guy is literally just stood there in the crowd of people watching what's going on. I did think the uh, the montage of like you know the blues band playing and like you know like the slow mo car and the uh, L A nightlife montage. I actually thought that was really cool. Like uh, I thought that was a little bit dated, but you know it still added to a really cool effect for that particular scene. And then, um, and, and then, in my notes, how does the coroner rule out accidental death, but Mitch thinks otherwise? How does that's a, opinion overrule <laughs> forensics? <laughs> because that's how this entire program works. <laughs> Whatever they assume is true. <laughs> that's literally how it works. You know, she's definitely going to run away. Yep. It was like, all the stuff in the previous episodes where she's like, oh yeah, she's definitely um, asexual. She's definitely an amphibian. Like there's no evidence for any of this. They just assume these things and they end up true. And this is where, right. And I'll digress to what you said earlier about, um, you know, Mitch doing some very criminal and questionable things as a PI. Hmm. So in my notes, plot twist, Mitch screwed up by interviewing the wrong woman without the correct safeguarding techniques and ID needed for investigating a minor. (laughs) (laughs) True. Where he's just reached a new low. (laughs) (laughs) True. He's just so... I'm just going to call him unprofessional Mitch Buchanan for this entire series now because he's breaking every rule in the PI book right now. He's just going totally rogue. I mean, I'd like to, I'd like to think that halfway through the series, like he actually gets called up on all this and the whole series takes a bit of a twist and what becomes the villain. We're three episodes in, right? And let's look at what felonies he's committed so far. So he was bodyguarding without, without a a security license. Impersonating a police officer. Right. He slept with his client. He's a police officer, impersonated FBI and CIA. Um, <laughs> he's a, he stole someone's bike. He stole a motorbike. Off that stole a motorbike. Uh, murdered somebody. <laughs> <laughs> carousel. Got <laughs> a carousel. Uh, yeah, he just. Yeah, and he's completely unlicensed. <laughs> yeah, but just to kind of like. Um, just to uh, remind everyone, and especially all your listeners, um, so the plot twist all kind of unfolded as uh, Garner and Ryan are in the office and then another lady walks in, which actually turns out to be the kid's mum. Not oh, the lady we met earlier. Mm. Yeah, and it's like, hold on a second, what did you say your name was? And all of a sudden, this is the real mother. So we then find out that the previous mother, I use that term loosely, who was uh, saying need to find my girl, blah, 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 turns out that she's not the mother, but who is she? And this is where we totally realise Mitch totally cocked up. 
and he, <laughs> he his safeguarding techniques were just non-existent here. So instead of actually just asking for identification, say, are you the girl's mother? May I see your ID? As a normal private investigator would. No, he just totally took her for all oh, love interest. Maybe I can get some of that later. But let's go and see what we can find out. No, he, oh, unprofessional Mitch Buchanan 101. Goodness me. <laughs> I know. He is terrible. So, so, so obviously there's this big situation now where, you know, there's two mothers one of them's not the mother one of them is the mother and this other mother is trying to find the daughter which isn't her daughter because basically they're trying to catch her because she saw the the murder basically garner say to her he goes um are you a real mother or you a a, a earth mother (laughs) an an earth mother (laughs) he calls her an earth mother or a stepmother or an earth mother (laughs) (laughs) So, <laughs> so yeah so basically what we get we get to a, a scene where we've got mitch and Haley together um we've got the people kind of trying to pursue them and then we've got ryan garner and the real mother in another car there's this bit that i thought was quite interesting where um mitch was talking to Haley and mentioned he had a, a son called hobie did yeah. i pick up on that who he's yeah. never mentioned, ever. No, Who's but he's in normal Baywatch. I will give it that. Is that in normal Baywatch? Is yeah, it? Yeah, normal Baywatch. His son is quite an integral character. Oh, well, why have we not heard about him? Where's he gone? Have they have they fallen out? Who's they save, they save him for they save him for normal Baywatch? Uh, I believe in normal Baywatch we do get a backstory about his son. Uh, and okay, it, but I've not watched normal Baywatch in years. Okay, well, that, that, that explains the thing because I was kind of thinking, where's this son come from? Why have we never heard of him? Like, I thought, I thought, you know, he just seemed like a bit of a bachelor, just going around <laughs> doing his thing, and it turns out he's a family man. I did the one thing I did really laugh about in this is like when he is talking to Haley, it, um, Mitch. It, well, basically, in my notes, I put, "How long does he hold her after yes. nothing is going to happen to you?" And he's just there, and it's like everything just froze in time until the car pulls up. Yeah. I know he's there for ages just holding her in that same pose for like absolutely ages. That kind of hands intensely on the shoulders look kind of hunched over her. Yeah, that, that just went on for just ages. It, it must have been about 10 seconds like that particular in held. And then of course, the mother. Oh, I also want to know actually something because it it will be applicable and we should it should have been mentioned a bit earlier i don't know why i didn't mention it when um they were saying um mitch was talking to her about you know why don't you want to go back home and everything she mentions that um her mum's boyfriend had been abusing her and other stuff yeah yeah which is important i just wanted to note that down because i'll bring up why that's important very shortly but going back to where we were a fight breaks out when Mitch and Haley are suddenly caught up by the, uh, I can't remember the names, the people following them. The angry driver and the smoking lady. Yeah, the angry driver and smoking lady, the, 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 the diver man. And um, yeah, there's a, bit of, there's a bit of a fight comes and then obviously Garner and Ryan get there as well. Garner rips another suit, which is probably, um, <laughs> I think that's actually one of my favourite bits. We have forgotten about Mingo. 
Oh, yeah, but I mean, yeah, Mingo, he's got a great name, but he didn't really do anything, did he? He just gave us some money to get on a boat with some angry Mexicans. <laughs> oh, yeah, but God, we forgot about the angry Mexicans. We've completely gone past the angry Mexican. Mitch can speak fluent Mexican. <laughs> why is she just held up in a, in a boat with a load of angry Mexicans? <laughs> what, why there out of everywhere? Is it she pay for them? Take it to Mexico to run away from the angry diver. <laughs> it's not just one Mexican, not two Mexicans, but seven angry Mexicans. <laughs> seven angry Mexicans on a boat and one girl. They're, they're, to be honest, like, I know when we look, look back into the episode and she got a bit flinchy about that guy um, when she was like hitchhiking with that guy and she got a bit funny about that but she's perfectly fine with seven angry Mexicans on a boat <laughs> <laughs> that makes no sense whatsoever does it yeah I mean like where is the sense in that I mean especially if you're oh, oh there's so many potholes <laughs> but anyway but that, there was yeah. a yeah because uh, we did miss out that bit and again he speaks fluent Mexican, Spanish, and uh, forwarding on a little bit. Uh, the one note that I got is like uh, when Mitch um, ends up having to fight with the bad guy. The throw that Mitch does to the bad guy over the gates is absolutely amazing. With the classic slow mo of him being thrown over that, um, like that railing or that gate. <laughs> was, that bit, was, that, was that where they had the American flag showing as well? Was that at the same time? Was that the same bit? I think it was, yes, yeah, yeah, I think it was. Yeah, I think I remember that bit and being like, yeah, that's, that's an epic throw. Because yeah, it was like, it wasn't even just kind of like an A-team style sort of like throw where it just goes over the camera, it's like... Yeah, and then he, was th- then he was thrown into the sea. One thing I have noticed though, in every single fight scene, right, whenever anyone is thrown around, they always land on something soft. Like, there's always something there. You know, like some foam piping, some cardboard boxes, the ocean. You never see someone just, like, headfirst into concrete, do you? And it even goes to show with the car chasers as well, because I've also got Garner driving through some cardboard boxes and water bottles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, which are also conveniently placed. And then the cheeky door opened to knock down um, Haley's mum. Yeah. So which- he knocks him down, and then obviously... The mum is then reunited back with Haley, and then everything just seems seems fine. The thing is, right, going back to what I just said a minute ago, the girls told her, uh, you know, told Mitch she was being abused. That was never mentioned again. That was literally <laughs> like the time in the room where the mum says she's got breast cancer, and then they completely <laughs> never mention it again, like. That should be a vital part. Like, yes, she's seen her mum, but she still wouldn't want to go home. No, of course not. Because she's getting beaten up, or God knows what's happening to her. Why have they just left out that entire plot line? It's got dropped. It's It's so they can move on. (laughs) Forget about it, basically. Because it's like, she even mentioned, like, it's not just like verbal abuse. She went, that. What was it? What she was said it? other stuff as well, didn't she? She oh, said, another like, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay. It could like, be anything. It seemed pretty deep. Dark. Yeah, yeah but for some, re- some reason, they just, they just end it there. You know, he might as, they might have always just done the ending from the, the, you know, the, the last episode of season two where Mitch just goes home. They might have just <laughs> got, like, I'm going home. <laughs> and that's it. And finished it. Like, 
you can't build people up and be like, oh, this poor girl's getting abused. And then suddenly just meet some of mum again. You go, all right, back home you go to the abuse. <laughs> like, you need to tackle that. Cut, cut back to nights where they're all just, we're just uh, they're sitting there taking the mickey out of the fact that Ryan's moved into a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> it ends. So, well, that, I mean, obviously, and then we see a trailer collapse at the end as the yeah, little kind of final yeah. lull. <laughs> just, just digressing for just a quick moment. Um, even though we didn't even get like any conclusion about the whole abuse storyline, which was quite, as you say, quite deep and dark, the only <laughs> conclusion we got from any of the storyline throughout the entire episode is that Garner ripped another suit. <laughs> yeah, basically. Yeah. <laughs> <Another> suit. <laughs> I mean, all in all, it was a very confusing episode. It was, it was very confusing. I mean, I think. The best part of the episode has to has been that beginning nine minutes. Yeah, that beginning was was amazing. I mean, that, that beginning that, one of the best, best things I've seen so far in Baywatch Nights. That should the have won the episode. <laughs> that should have won an award. Just that beginning bit, and, and like I said to people listening, I don't think we've hyped it enough. I really don't. I think you need to go and watch it, and you will understand why this intro is so incredible. But the rest of it was just, it was just confusing. I don't know what I was for. I, I found it all just a bit confusing. It just kind of went over a little bit. There were so many people involved. And then, yeah, it just kind of ended. I was just like, what? Poor girl's getting abused and no one gives a fuck. Like, <laughs> that, that's it. End. Yeah. Yeah. But the thing is, it's like there were some, like, classic moments in there. Like, classic comic moments. Mm. And then there was the odd hint of a very, very deep and serious storyline, which was totally undermined by Garner's suits, which <laughs> it was like, yeah. don't give a fuck about your abuse. It's all about my suits and how this thread is unwoven. You know, that, that's basically what, you know, this whole episode shouldn't have not been called, uh, what was it called again? This episode was called Party for Aynan Tolton. No, it should have been called Garner's Suit. Should have been called Minor... Mine suit today, which is which is basically means my my suit hurts <laughs> in German. Mine is suit today. Oh, good. Yeah. Mr. Krankenhaus, mine suit today. That should be the <laughs> so, yeah. So it was all it was all a bit a bit confusing, but yeah, the beginning it's the beginning nine minutes were incredible. There were obviously some some good highlights in there, but I think. Realistically, I think what we need to do is we need to move to season two, episode three, because this is where, this is where shit gets real. (laughs) Before we do, before we do, we're going to take a quick break. And then in the meantime, we cannot wait to come back. And so we will discuss season two, episode three, Di Borinzo. We'll see you very (laughs) shortly. Welcome back to Evenings with Mitch Buchanan, a podcast about Baywatch Nights. And in the second part of this episode, we're going to uh, fast forward on to season two. Because, again, for all the listeners out there, each week we basically go head to head with one episode from the first season and one episode from the second season. So, of course, we're on the third episode of each season uh, on this episode and <laughs> oh goodness me so season two episode three episode titled die borinzel in german for rick 
Rick. Uh, and I'm just going to start like this, and I'm going to hand it over to you guys. But the first note I got about this episode is, ew. <laughs> the first thing I've got is, is this a scene from Alien? <laughs> <laughs> So we need, to, we need to give you all the context. So we've got an oil rig. We've got a load of workers. Uh, they're playing cards. They're you know, your typical workers looking all filthy and oily with hats and vests. You know, literally the stereotype you know, oil rig worker look that you would think of. And then there's like some sort of weird noise. And one of the guys is like, right, you got to go and check on it. So he goes over to this pipe. And he takes off the little cap and he puts his hand in and he's grabbing out all this like crap, basically like poo and stuff like that. And he's like, oh, this is horrible. And then suddenly this green light emanates from it. And for some reason with this happening, he decides it would be a great idea to stick his hand in back into this pipe where this mysterious thing, which we have no idea what it is, literally seems to grab his arm and drag it in and he screams and all the the other men come in to try and get his arm out and when they get his arm out it's literally you know it looks like it's been like burnt like with acid and everything and then literally seconds later it's down to the bone like it's literally like within (laughs) seconds and this is what the next note i've got is whoa (laughs) <laughs> yeah it literally it was so intense and it was you know it literally it reminded me of something you'd probably see on one of the alien films oh, like, like i can imagine his entire arm's gone like yeah. an entire arm it was pretty good effects as well for like 90s tv it was actually pretty good like gore effects yeah i mean to be honest it's probably the best of the effects of the entire episode because we'll discuss <laughs> the rest of the effects as, as it continues so yeah so basically they've um you know, done this, you know, this guy's put his arm in everything, and then um, I think everyone else just kind of gets attacked. Is that right? I kind of didn't really put a note. I'm kind of... Well, kind of I don't really know. It kind of just cuts <laughs> off, doesn't it, after the yeah. arm? It kind of just goes back, and then it's got Mitch and Ryan, and they're down at the beach, and Mitch is painting a, painting a beach hut, and uh, they're having a chat. And Ryan's talking about Oh yeah, did you hear about the um, thing that happened on the oil rig a couple of weeks ago? And Mitch's like, yeah, yeah. And he's like, oh well, apparently years ago, a similar thing happened in Saudi Arabia. And we're like, oh right, okay. And, and like, yeah, we should told her. What's that? Teague told her. Oh yeah, Teague. So yeah, Teague told her. Teague seems to know everything for some reason. He knew all about Teague the Jogan. In this episode. Well, he's not in it. He's not in it, is he? No, but he is in spirit. <laughs> yeah, Teague is a. You know, I'm still working out Teague, but um, yeah. So she was like, "Yeah, it's, it's happening in Saudi Arabia." Then for some reason, they go basically decide, "Oh yeah, we should probably go and in- investigate this." Then and they just basically just leave the paint on the beach. They don't pack it away. They just you know they just do a typical Mitch like parking his car in the middle of a road, leave the paint on the floor, bugger off. Let's go to an oil rig. <laughs> James, do you think you want to add something in here? Have a picnic. Yes. Exactly what Nick said. Not just any oil rig trip, a picnic on an oil rig. Right. So this, this okay, <laughs> for a picnic on an oil rig where loads of people died. Right. First off, we need to just talk about talk about oil rigs, right? Uh, so deep water rigs, which is which is what this is, right? They're the really big ones. They can go out pretty far. I mean, a minimum you're looking at least forty miles out. 
and they can go as far as like 125, even up to 250 miles offshore, right? So let's just take an average and go bang in the middle. So we've got 40, 250, what we say about 130, 140. They traveled 140 miles to an oil rig to check out this, you know, this rumor about something that had happened um, to have a picnic. Um, I mean, this this would have taken them a good couple of hours just to even get there. And don't you need authorization just to go out to an oil rig? You can't just yeah. go out to an oil rig and just get on it for no reason. Just wa- wander around because you feel like it. I'm pretty sure there's some restrictions there. But also, there's a couple of other things that I'd like to know about this. Um, is there actually any kind of... Um, like spots around the west coast of the Atlantic, which actually are crude oil hotspots. I don't know, actually. Yeah, is there an oil rig off the coast of California? Right, let's Google this. Not right. just this, but surely um, when you're going that, if theoretically speaking, you're going out that far to sea, surely there's like a jurisdiction of area which upon you can go so far until you go into another country's the water or they're going into like mexican waters yeah like surely like there must be some sort of a limit so where exactly is this oil rig whereabouts is this positioned on the west I mean, and Mitch doesn't have a license anyway so <laughs> yeah and all, all of that and also with the boat that they're on did they actually have enough fuel to get that 140 miles theoretical 140 miles away for a fucking picnic <laughs> Oh, it's crazy, but apparently there are um, four. Um, yeah, there are four offshore oil platforms in state waters off the coast of California. Any near so, Malibu? <laughs> so they are there. There's um, one off Santa Barbara. Um, there's one off. Is that Huntington Beach? Maybe there's a few there. Um, so they are there. I can't find out exactly. I mean, I should have. I should have researched this really. I've let myself down. I should have found out how how many nautical miles each of them. So we could have worked it out. But let's just assume either way, that's a bloody long way to just go and just randomly go on an oil rig uh, to have a picnic after a load of people have died on there as well. Like it doesn't seem like some, you know, I say because the, the rumor was going around that it was some sort of like acid thing. So surely you would think, yeah, an oil rig, acid, probably not a good place to go, probably quite hazardous. Yeah. You don't really want to go all the way there and eating food around there as well. Like, you know, that doesn't seem like a good idea. But anyway, they, they did it. No, no matter what their, what their reasons were. Um, so they get on there. They're having a look around. Mitch, they find the pipe. Sorry, man. They're going after you. Yeah, basically, they, they, they find the pipe. Um, you know, they kind of recreate what happened. Um, <laughs> and then I, 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 I didn't know whether you were, were about to... Yeah, that's to, exactly yeah. what I, I just put Mitch is being a dick. <laughs> yeah, Mitch is yeah. being a dick. And... Yeah. It's his arm in the exact spot where the guy's arm literally melted. Get some resin. Yeah, puts his arm in and like pretends that he's getting attacked. And Ryan obviously shits herself and everything. He's like, it's only a joke. It's only a joke. Like, I mean, that's a pretty shitty thing to do. And I mean, to be fair, you've got to be pretty mental to put your arm in a pipe where someone literally got their arm burnt off. Like, you're not thinking, Mitch, at all. That's just like, that's such a hazard. And loads of poo. 
yeah like why would you do that like what possible reason would you do that but then so he pulls his arm off out right and there's this little speck of like stuff that's kind of burning him and ryan as she does because she seems to be knowledgeable on everything instantly works out that this is some type of living organism i don't know how from this little burning thing on his arm it could have just been a bit of acid but no ryan as always knows everything is definitely some form of living organism did you um really appreciate or did anyone really appreciate like uh when mitch and um ryan noticed the residue that slime on his arm the really sinister music and facial expression combo upon mitch's face that just come out of nowhere just like and he's like it's like a very intense moment for a little bit of a gloop on your arm i know but i love the way they always leap to the the most extreme thing it could possibly be it's not like oh it's, it's acid or it's a bit of poo or something it's like no, it's definitely some form of unknown living organism, like instantly. So they've obviously assumed this. Then what they're, they're looking at off the side of the oil rig, and they're, they um, they're back in the their boat, and they spot a boat just kind of floating around, and they're like, oh, "What's going on here? Why is there a, a, an unmanned boat? That seems a bit weird." So they go over, and Mitch has got his um, his little speaker, and he's speaking to him. And then I spotted something, and I'm going to send you the things here because i think you need to see them hopefully i can i can put them on facebook but while he's actually doing the um the talking to the other boat um if you actually notice uh on the actual cutscenes, uh he there's on one scene he's got the microphone in his hand on the other scene he's holding the steering wheel they're completely wrong the continuity is and i'm just going to send you the images so that you can see them because this is the kind of weird shit that i pick up on um I totally missed that yeah i'm gonna send them to you and you'll see you'll see what i mean this is all the same scene so anyone that obviously can't see these pictures what we've got is i've just put them in the uh, in the facebook group for you you can see it starts off with mitch holding the microphone in his hand but as soon as it switches to the other camera angle he's clearly got his hands <laughs> the steering wheel like <laughs> they're completely they're completely wrong it just shows the um the quality of baywatch night's continuity team there i mean i'm sure this happens in lots of things and i'm just being really nitpicky but you know i thought it was worth a mention anyway it's even just like before that you kind of get to see the mysterious green like fog with dramatic wind effects going on you yeah. know no, 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 we, we, don't, we, don't, we don't see that just yet, do we? Because what we see first is they go on the boat and they're searching for ages to see if anyone's on the boat. And for some reason, this woman, who's literally just seen her like, boyfriend or whatever, literally be attacked and dragged underwater, for some reason decides to remain quiet when people come to help on the boat <laughs> and just hides away. We've, we've missed something quite important. <clears throat> there is a scene when they're still on the rig before they get on the boat to go to investigate the other boat where they finally, for the first time in three episodes, question the origin of Teague. <laughs> oh, yeah, they do. I've actually got written down here, yeah, Teague knows everything. Yeah, and <laughs> like they say, like, do, does he work for like um, himself or is he working for a higher power? And then Mitch describes who he thinks Teague works for. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm trying to think what he says. Well, just as they're going, like, down the stairs, isn't it, or something? Yeah. 
And so I it's thought, like imagine it being like some big like fat guy or something. Yeah, I didn't write all of it down. I just I was just so impressed that like last week we were questioning the fact that where does Teague come from? And they did kind of like loosely touch on it. Yeah, he's a bit of a he's a bit of a mystery at the moment. But basically yeah, so they're on the they're on the boat, they find this woman, she explains that her boyfriend, whatever guy she's dating, has been dragged underwater. She's clearly clearly hysterical um there's a, a really good bit where mitch like grabs her and is like take it easy like proper i mean this isn't the way you treat someone who's you know, suffering from trauma you don't just grab them and shake them like that i mean you need to be a little bit more sympathetic and there was this when i was questioning her trying to make some rational sense out of what she was saying um, she was like, there was this thing. And then they go, what thing? This huge thing. <laughs> yeah, like no explanation of it whatsoever. <laughs> this, this huge thing. And um, yeah, and so like around this time, you know, the tension builds up. And like, uh, again, as you say, she's hysterical. She does not like changing boats at all. Oh, yeah, she's petrified of that because yeah, she thinks she's going to get dragged in the water and she ends up just like jumping on it like, oh. really quickly. But then we see the first glimpse of the monster, which basically, let's be fair, just looks like one of those jets at the bottom of a hot tub with a green filter. Yeah. <laughs> That's literally it. It's just like if you look in any hot tub, uh, one of the fil- you know, ones that have got like, the filtered lights, just look at that and imagine it green. That's basically what it looked like. It was so funny because it was just all I've got in big capital letters. Oh my God, that green glow under the life raft with bubbling effects. Ha, ha, ha. It was, yeah. it, again, it was a glorified hot tub, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. It was just like a green light on a hot tub. This is like, how is this, how is this in any way scary at all? <laughs> I mean, we could, have, we could have quite easily renamed this episode Mitch versus the Lazy Boy. Mitch versus a green filtered torch on the water would probably be an accurate thing. It was just like <laughs> it, was, it, was this, it was around this point. Like, uh, of course, we see the first, well, one of the first prominences of the <laughs> the antagonist that has no form. But <laughs> so um, the next thing I've got in my notes, uh, unless you guys pick up on anything before I do, uh, Donna. Yeah, uh, yeah Donna, we're going to, yeah. go to Donna. Yeah, yeah, Donna. Yeah, you've got it. Yeah. Yep, so Donna runs to the guy's rescue. Her facial expressions indicate that she needs a moment to process that he is actually in need of help. Yeah, she's like, does he need help? Is he just a bad swimmer? What's going on? So just just for people who aren't following, so we've gone to another scene. So we've, we've gone away from the oil rig. We're on the beach where Donna the lifeguard is there. And there's a guy in the water and he's like struggling and she's wondering where to help him. She gets in there, does, does the whole Baywatch run thing, everything in slow motion typical Baywatch uh manages to save him and then she's just like super happy about it and the rest of the scene is just her just being really happy she saved someone really did any of you first at first think when you saw the man drowning did you first think it was the guy that had come off the boat that had been missing oh, yeah I did I thought it was that I thought it was going yeah. to be the guy getting washed up from the boat yeah but no it was literally just uh, the first person she'd ever rescued, so she was just happy. Yeah, just a random man, and then she's <laughs> determined, which is which is basically how we what she works out that Mitch is gone somewhere and isn't around on the beach. She really wants to tell him that she that she saved someone, and she's so <laughs> determined that she has to get hold of Mitch. Where is he? I really need to tell him. I'm so proud or anything. That's literally the only reason she really wants to find Mitch. 
because mean, of that. In terms of the continuity, it would have made so much more sense for this guy to be washed ashore and like, oh my God, what's happened? The oil rig, quick, quick, my girlfriend is out there. You know, just something to add some dramatic tension and some sort of cohesion to the entire storyline. But no, as you say, it's just a sheer determination that she's willing to drive out potentially 140 miles <laughs> to the oil rig picnic just to say, I'll save someone's life. <laughs> I know, it's literally that ridiculous. So... Cutting back from there, and this is anything else, I don't think as much goes go really going on that scene. We go back to the, the oil rig, or is there something? Yeah, I think there is. Uh, that's it. Yeah, it was something that Griff says. <laughs> yeah, it was something that Griff says uh, to Donna, uh, where she goes, This is just really exciting. So uh, Griff goes, So are you excited? <laughs> like, we've clearly established and emphasized that she's really excited about talking to Mitch. They saved my first life, but it was just like, oh my God, this is really exciting. And he's like, well, so are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. And it's just, <laughs> it's just pure dialogue repetition. And it was just terrible, terrible. Or he's just being really sarcastic. And more than likely. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, so we're back on the oil rig, and um, this woman on the thing, she is hysterical and ryan just looks like she's about to fuck her up ryan is not having any of this she like ryan you know should be a bit more sympathetic but ryan is just done with this woman's shit she really is this woman's hysterical she's just had a you know partner or whatever like dragged underwater and killed she's an absolute mess and ryan is just like will you shut the fuck up that's basically what she's like for this whole time since then she's got no time for this woman who's suffering from trauma whatsoever she's so heartless and it's brilliant it just makes me laugh it, yeah i'd agree with that yeah they, they just kind of see her as a hindrance throughout the <laughs> yeah, it's like we shut up we're trying to find this green thing where you fuck off like it's like but you just, I've just had someone die i don't care just go away <laughs> that's literally what it's like she doesn't really help her cause to some very minor degrees but it was a really funny bit i just put in my notes they aren't talking quietly in regards to the girl losing it do they know how to whisper because they're just basically trying to talk to uh like ryan and uh, mitch they basically just walk away from her just for a few moments but not further enough to really not let her hear everything mm. they're exactly the same because they're talking really loud about how hysterical she is <laughs> <laughs> just mocking a woman who's suffering from trauma that's always happening yeah, it's it's basically like the same kind of thing as if like we're in the same room together and I just literally just turn around 180 degrees and start talking at the same tone. My God, those guys are so irritated. But I think I've got a way to shut her up. <laughs> 180 degrees. And then explain what you're going to do. Oh, I don't know. There was just like... I oh, know, it's so funny. But then we, we go end up going back to Donna on the beach uh, where she's... Um, Again, still talking about Mitch and she's trying to get a bit worried. And there's this great line that she says, um, where she says, I shouldn't be worried. It's Mitch Buchanan on the ocean in a boat, but I am. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was like one of the quotables I got from this. But even just before this scene, um, when they're just trying to sort out what to do with um, uh, the traumatized lady. Mitch is still moaning about his bloody picnic. Yeah. <laughs> Their priorities are so wrong, aren't they? They're so wrong. Yeah. I don't, and after um, the bit that the amazing uh, Mitch Buchanan in a boat line, it goes back onto the oar rig. 
yeah, with the green light and some shaky lights, which looks so low budget. <laughs> it's, but I'm positive their um their budget for this series got cut on episode three. Right at the beginning, they're like, you know what, we're running out of budget. We need to scale everything back. Oh my god, man! Like, but there was a great line from Ryan. Um, I sorry, actually from Trauma Trauma Lady, and Ryan said, "Don't yell at me. I can't take it anymore. Everybody's always yelling at me." To which Ryan goes, "Claire, sit down and shut up." <laughs> <laughs> undermined like the whole process of trauma that that woman has just gone through <laughs> it's so funny and then obviously we keep hearing bits more about the the, the, the monster and the monster just, is it me or does the monster sound like when someone removes a drain cover <laughs> oh. okay yeah so i've got some notes on this i was in hysterics over this so amazingly terrible sound effects here before Mitch sees the green glowy monster thingy. Um, <laughs> seeing, okay, so the way I described this, because it was like frothy, blowy, bubbly monster thing, but <laughs> imagine if you was a small insect and you witnessed someone farting in a bath. <laughs> it would literally be that. Yeah, yeah. You're just watching like, it was just... Oh God! It was so, <laughs> it was so, so bad. It was... But, but but then we get to this amazing bit where um, so obviously Mitch is is you know goes out to the side of the oil rig and he's he's looking down and he can see the the little boat that they've gone to the oil rig, right? And then suddenly the boat just explodes, right? It just absolutely explodes, and his face. It's just absolutely classic. Like it's the most underwhelming face for what's just happened. Like this boat's just exploded. You'd expect his impact to be so much more, but it's, it was kind of like <laughs> the best way I, I could describe it, which I wrote it down, is it's a bit like the reaction that you see someone have when they open an oven and you get that little waft of heat, and they're going to go ooh <laughs> like that. <laughs> yeah, literally, this boat explodes, <laughs> and he's just kind of did he, was it just me or did he just not look that bothered? It was like he didn't really know how to express himself at that point in time because it was like it got sucked underwater, didn't it? And then it exploded. Yeah, like, but you'd be like, "Oh my god, what the fuck's just happened?" He's a bit more kind of like, "Hmm." Yeah. That was <laughs> <laughs> it, sorry, Nick. Go on after you, mate. No, I just laugh. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, but there'll probably be more laughter in a minute. It's until he gets inside. It's when he starts losing it throughout the entire episode. Like, it's... The only way I can describe it is a based Mitch Buchanan. He's frantic. He is absolutely anxious. He's he's shouting. He doesn't know what to do. He's just an absolute mess at this point. And then Ryan somehow knows everything again suddenly she's saying it can get as big as it wants it's you know as long as it's got its own food supply it's shapeless it can divide like all these things she hasn't even seen it she's literally <laughs> sitting up. all she's seen is this little blob on the back of his hand that burnt him a little bit and suddenly she knows everything about this organism which is apparently the thing and one of the best things i thought was really funny is when mitch said can it think and she said, no, it has a nucleus and no brain. Yet, clearly, we can see it thinking because it's trying to open doors and chase them <laughs> down. Like, what the hell? 
The only other thing I can add to that is like when she asked like Mitch what it was that was out there, he goes, I saw something. It's big. There's some sort <laughs> of show about it. That was the most vague descriptions. <laughs> and then when you see it like chasing them, because this thing starts chasing them through the boat, it literally looks like someone with a green torch and a fog machine. That's literally all it, that's literally all it looks like. Someone's running behind her with a green torch and just pumping but it out of her right, It kind of reminded me, have you ever seen the, the animated film Heavy Metal? Oh, uh, yes, a long time right. ago. Do you know the Loch Nahr, which is like a, a glowing green ball? I think so, yeah, yeah. What, like, flows throughout all the stories, and when it gets near you, you basically disintegrate. It kind of, at first, when I was just seeing the lights, before I saw the... <laughs> slimy side of it reminded me of that and I thought at first all oh, right they're going with like a Loch Ness approach but no then I started seeing like goop like Nickelodeon gack everywhere <laughs> yeah which, which I'll sum up exactly what that is in a minute but basically somehow also Ryan could tell they could tell it was getting bigger even though all they saw was a very limited view of it through a door window suddenly they made some massive assumption it's getting bigger uh, and then when he finally got to look at it to be honest it was it was flubber. <laughs> it, it was just flubber. This this is the sequel to Flubber, where Flubber's gone bad and ended up on an oil rig. That, that, that's literally all it is. Yeah, the only, only other way to describe it, which I wrote down, is it looks a bit like a green toy soldier that some kids put a lighter to, mixed with a chameleon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I noticed it's like um, it was Mitch's face when he realised that the blob is behind him, and his his facial expression was like one of inconvenience rather than. <laughs> it, was just, it was just like. Oh. <laughs> he's just thinking about a picnic more than anything. I mean, like for fuck's sake, I just want to eat. Just want my sandwiches. Where um where. Ryan says to Mitch, um, "It's made of carbon," and Mitch goes, "So is a pencil." <laughs> Is that the most obvious thing? And then they say, oh, yeah, but it's flammable, right? They're saying it's flammable. Actually, you know, but before that, though, before they say it's, um, it's flammable, um, they're looking, Mitch is trying to find a weapon in the kitchen, but he's, look, all he's doing is looking through all the kitchen condiments. He's literally looking through, like, the sauce and, the, like, the salt and vinegar on the shelves trying to find a weapon. I mean, what's he trying to find? Mustard to, like, spurt in someone's eye or something. It literally made no sense. Before we get to that, I've got a couple of notes I've got to make. Um, we had like a couple of the cut scenes. Uh, where does the ominous wind keep coming from? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> where does that keep coming from? And um, right, okay. And the other thing is when Mitch admires the sludge to find the laws of physics by going up a wall. Now, I've got a bit of a gripe about this, and this is where I challenge the name of science. Okay. So, this apparently is a carbon-based life form. Technically speaking, if, like, for example, a residue or anything of any kind is to go, say, like, for example, a little bit of gloop or whatever goes onto a wall, you know, gravity will tell you that it's going to go down unless it's a helium-based substance or gas or whatnot, and that is the only way it can travel up the wall. So technically, it ain't a carbon life form. There's got to be some sort of helium property about this creature for it to go up the wall. Well, I mean, Ryan was wrong as well because she said it was flammable, yet they put the flame on it for quite a while and it didn't set on fire. It just retracted under the door again. 
Like, <laughs> I was expecting it to go up in flames. It took a while for it to start, you know, to get like a little flame going. Which actually is really interesting because the, the uh, juxtaposition in terms of like carbon to helium is why I'm questioning this is because I was, um, years ago, I was doing some like, you know, deep diving into like the technology and science aspects of Terminator 2 Judgment Day. And I was looking into like the T-1000. It's just like, what kind of life form would be able to actually like, you know, or anything, or like any kind of like gas or whatnot would be able to go up the wall. And it turns out it's helium, but... And long story short, I, I what oh, what was it? Um, oh, that's it. Yeah, I was reading um, an uh, oh fucking what was it? New Scientist magazine. I had a copy of New Scientist magazine, and there was something similar about this about helium being the only property to go up a wall. Like if it was like dripping up a wall instead of like going down. And then when I was watching it, I was just like, that can't be a carbon-based life form. Surely not. And in terms of like um, uh, helium, I think it, a normal um, room temperature for helium or anything of that kind is like minus, like, I think it's somewhere between like minus 50 to minus 90 degrees Celsius. Right. So when we find out that like, um, like that this organism is afraid of fire, it's just like, I'm pretty sure that it's going to take a bit more than fire for it to kill to, to kill it. Yeah, the fire did nothing. Literally, yeah. it, it is. It, it's only kind of it retracted under the door, and then when it did set on fire, it was just like it was just trying to light. Like it was like when you first light a disposable barbecue, and it's just a bit shit. You know, <laughs> the first little flames. It's just a bit like I'm like, come on, I'm expecting like you know you end up pulling putting some like lighter fluid on it or something to get it going. You know, it was, it was just a bit underwhelming, wasn't it? It was just a bit kind of like, oh, yeah, well, that didn't work. Okay, so I've just um, had a quick look. So the melting point of helium is minus 272.2 <laughs> degrees Celsius. Okay. So, so actually, what, so, so what happens then when you put helium and fire together? What, what actually happens? Let's have a little find out, shall we? So I don't, I'm also going to uh, check out the... The melting point of carbon as well. <laughs> I love how scientific this has suddenly got. <laughs> okay, so the melting point of carbon is 3,550 degrees Celsius. Okay. Okay, so now what was your original question? The melting So what happens when you expose helium to a flame? And we can find out what happens, you know, what should happen to this blob. Well... Okay, so um, the answer, which comes from IamAScientist.org.uk, well, actually, SubatomicN11.IamAScientist.org.uk, what happens to a helium balloon when it catches fire? Helium balloons won't catch fire, or is they do it, is just a balloon burning and not the helium. Helium is a noble gas. Noble gases are, are what we all what we call inert, which means they do not really react, and burning is just a chemical reaction, adding oxygen to the thing you are burning. Oh, right, okay. So basically, fire does fuck all. Yeah. <laughs> 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 to put it bluntly. So, Ryan was actually completely wrong there. Yep, and it totally nullifies the whole A-team style DIY flamethrower scene as well. Yeah. So, yeah, so if you see one of these things, don't 
set on fire. I mean, the thing is, it did end up setting on fire, but I'm guessing that is because of the mix of oxygen. There was yeah. some oxygen mixed in there as well to allow it to, the flame to alight. I mean, really, they should have just used a draft exclude to stop it. From- <laughs> <laughs> they should have just inhaled it and run around speaking. So you've like, got uh, Ryan and the girl fighting the uh, blob with their makeshift oven flamethrower. And then Mitch is running around the oil rig, setting off self-destruct. Oh, yeah, I've done some research on this, actually. Do oil rigs have yeah. a self-destruct button? That's the question. What do you think? Do they or do they not? Of course they don't. I, I think... Oh, I've done the research. Do they or do they not? What do you think, James? I, I think they do. I think they do. Okay, so basically... Um, what I found here is um, in deep sea oil drilling, there's a form of self-destruct system that can be observed. And basically this is in the event um, of an oil well becoming disconnected from the oil rig uh, and a dead man switch can trigger activation of the blowout preventer, uh, which basically cuts the drill pipe and you know, permanently seals the well to prevent an oil leak. So it's not really a self-destruct, like, it's not going to make an oil rig explode. What it's going to do is, if there's an oil leak, it will shut off the oil, basically, right. so it doesn't go into the sea. That's what it is. It doesn't so, talk to you like a robot or... Uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, so, so this thing about an oil rig having a self-destruct thing where the entire rig just explodes is, is completely false. Like, you would never do that. Like, that would be ridiculous. And also what you would not do is set uh, is have your self-destruct system run on a system by Motorola, who are a mobile phone company, for a start. <laughs> right. If I'd ever seen it. Right. You wouldn't do that, and you would not have the entire system blow up in only one and a half minutes once detonated, which is no time at all to evacuate everybody. Uh, did anyone also see that? I, I do you remember? Um, I think it was last week. <coughs> last episode where do you remember when I mentioned like about this like still scene where he held up the mobile phone and he was tapping the redial button? Oh yes, yes, yeah. So there was something similar to this in this episode. I went, love the cheeky tapping of the PSI gauge like it's a tutorial video for trying to fix something. <laughs> but it was just the way that, you know, they casually tap the gauge. It just really made me laugh as if it was like, <laughs> you needed a visual explanation as to what they was doing, which I thought that was really friggin' hilarious. But then, only then, when um, Screaming Trauma Lady and Ryan are trying to get out... Where did that burnt man come from? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just fell out of nowhere. Just it was behind like the curtain. a zombie attack. Right? <laughs> it was like from like a scare attraction, like a Halloween Horror Nights or something like that, right? And then as she pushes the body away, right, you actually see the actor sort of scurry away in the back. Really? <laughs> yeah. He sort of like lean, he sort of like stands up and leans back and like disappears into the darkness. I didn't even spot that. The thing is, again, once again, did everyone think, oh, it's the guy from the boat? Yeah. Like he's uh, appeared for the second time in the episode, but you think this guy's going to show up? Nope, just a random guy. I mean, how on earth would they have... Because I'll imagine, you know, after this happened, they went over their entire oil rig to find out what the hell was going on, or they just casually miss a 
burnt dead body behind a curtain near, near the emergency door, you know, bother checking behind the curtain. I mean, that's a bit slack, isn't it? And obviously, he would have been, he'd have been there for a, a, quite a while. I mean, he would be a lot more rotted than he was, I think, as well. Yeah, I mean, like, because how many people were playing cards? I think there was like about five people on that table, wasn't there? So yeah. one guy is just melted. The other guy is just playing peekaboo behind a curtain. What happened to the um, African-American dudes? I don't know. I, I'm guessing I'm guessing they all must have died. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe they, they ran off. And I think they, off. I they didn't really explain. Did they? Sorry, what was that? What were you going to say? I think they did get off, didn't they? I don't know, I guess so. I, I can't really think what else they, they might have done. Yeah, like, uh, I, I have no idea. But basically, the, back to what's going on. So Mitch has managed to get his way around the, the ship and he set off this self-destruct for the oil rig thing. Um, and they're tr- and back to the, you know, the panicking woman and Ryan. They're trying to get out of this emergency door, like, which when they actually finally get through, I don't know if anyone notices, it's clearly made of wood. It's like the most tacky door you can literally see. Like, they probably just probably could have just kicked it in. It's the most insecure door ever. But for some reason, they took absolutely forever to get out of it. Um, and I also actually noticed, because this is, again, this is the kind of thing I do. Obviously, the, the alarm gave one minute 30 for everyone to get off the boat. But the actual total time before the um, the explosions was actually at two minutes and 45. So um, the system was actually either running on a, you know, I don't know, maybe the battery was running low or something. I don't know, but they yeah. all should have died, really. Yeah, because like, there was a couple of things I noted around here. Did anyone else notice that the detonation alarm is exactly the same as the alarm in multiplayer for GoldenEye? <laughs> no, I didn't. <laughs> All of a sudden, I started having these flashbacks of when I was getting my ass kicked at multiplayer Golden on the N64. So it was like, the same oh, era, wasn't it? Yeah, it was around that time. It was yeah, around yeah. that time. And um, I mean, they all, all should have died though, because by one minute thirty, they like they were still in there. Like, it's lucky that that was running slower than it should. Which it, just brings me to something else, which is completely off topic, but it, but it bugged me. I was trying to Google, well, when I, when I was working these, these maths out, like I've literally got a chart here of every time that it gave a countdown and the, the seconds difference between each one to work it all out. Um, but when I, when I Googled what is 166 seconds, I mean, I, I should have worked this out myself really, it's not hard, but I ended up just whacking it into Google, 166 seconds to minutes. Every single Google search comes up as 2.7 seconds and that really triggers me because... <laughs> Because it's not. It's 2 minutes 45, not 2.7. <laughs> but that annoys me, and every single Google search does it, and I just want to express my uh, annoyance at everyone who's made a website that puts 2.7, because it's not. It's 2 minutes 45. Stop giving false information. There is no, you, you can't have 2 minutes 70 seconds, and no one understands what that means. I reckon that's Teague. He's t- <laughs> it probably is. Teague would understand it. He would know. He would know. But, yeah, but that's what I just wanted to you know, get that out there and just tell people to sort it out because it confused me for a long time. <laughs> there was also like this scene where Mitch is doing some really serious, like solid snake, Metal Gear Solid style moves, right? Where <laughs> walking on thin metal bars, which really aren't that thin at all. Like he was doing that whole balancing act across that metallic beam. 
And it was just, oh, oh, okay. That beam would have been easy to get across. I'm sorry. That beam was (laughs) wide enough for him to get across pretty simple. You only did about three steps and fell off. (laughs) No, and it was so easy to walk across, but the overacting on that was absolutely incredible. But (laughs) but then, you know, walking, uh, uh, going into it a little bit further, they're acting so casual, so, so casual for a place that's going to blow up in 60 seconds. Yeah. Uh, there's no like, there's no urgency here. There's no, like we need to get the fuck off this oil rig, or we're all gonna die, kind of thing. It was just like kind of like yeah, let's go down here. Yeah, jump in the water over here. Like you need to get out of there. Like this is a. Has anyone ever seen an oil rig? It's massive. If that blows up, you need to be not just out of the door. You need to be like literally within a good mile radius, or you're gonna get hit by like flying steel bars and shit. Easily, absolutely easily, and like. I, I did actually really like the dubbed yells of both the girls when they're jumping into the wall. Uh, it, <laughs> oh, yeah. it was so corny. It was like super, super bad. But since when did Mitch become an acrobat? Yeah. <laughs> he was doing my monkey bar flips. <laughs> you can do anything now, boy. Oh, you can literally do anything. But we should also mention, you know, we do get another another look at the, the monster briefly. Um, it kind of looked like, if you remember when the gremlins got wet, and you looked at their back <laughs> before the little before it all popped out. If you imagine that as green, in like that, either that or just imagine like a green tarpaulin with people underneath it, like moving around. <laughs> That's about as accurate as I can describe it. Sounds like a bad day at Reading Festival. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Like honestly, the monster of this like was so low budget. It was unreal. Like it was so low budget, it was barely featured. And when it was, it just literally looked like a bit of tarpaulin. <laughs> it was, like the rest of it was just literally a green torch and a fog machine and a bubbler. Like there was nothing yeah. else to this monster at all. It was it was bad. But I think they just spent the whole budget on melting that guy's arm. Yeah, I think that's genuinely what happened because that scene was actually really good. Like you saw that, and you're like, "Oh damn!" You know that that arm's like disintegrated. And then, like when they come to the monster, they're like, "Nah, fuck that! I've got an old bit of tarpaulin in the shed. Let's grab that out." Yeah, be fine. It was after this that the um, the oil rig blows up. Kind of looks like the uh, the music video for Cochise by Audio Slave. All of a sudden, <laughs> <laughs> you know. <laughs> Mitch jumps into the water and then, you know, night turns to day and then, um, you know, Ryan is the one now screaming, Mitch, Mitch, like, you know, where are you, Mitch? And then all of a sudden he comes out of nowhere and goes, can I get a ride or do I have to swim in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, straight on with the humour as soon as he's out of the water. Just survived a, yeah. a bomb going then, off on an oil rig. And then he says, we picked a wrong day for a picnic. And then they drive away. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then as always it just all finishes and no one ever speaks about it again no one no one cares it's just like whatever there's just some weird green monster we're just going to forget that ever happened and go home because that's what we do yeah but that seems to be the running thing for season two <laughs> the going home that's it <laughs> yeah i'm going home i'm done with this shit see you later never talk about this again this never happened if anything, I have noticed like a few minor parallels to uh, the X Files, which of course, which was like you know around at the time, which was kind of like the direction they wanted to steer in to get you know major views. So Mitch is basically Dana Scully, and Ryan is Fox Mulder, and 
he's kind of like a cross between Skinner and Cigarette Smoking Man. And right. I check all at once. <laughs> Whereas like, you've got Griff, Donna, and, um, oh, I don't know. Who can we use as the third lone gunman? Um, yeah. Teague. <laughs> I would say, uh, nah, he's, more, he's more smoking, man. Like, yeah. uh, I check sort of like guy, but like, yeah. Um, Griff, yeah, yeah. So Griff, Donna, and um, maybe uh, Mitch Buchanan's ego are the lone gunman as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's definitely cool parallels but like um yeah like um as i say the episode ended very promptly and um it went home and uh, i mean yeah it was like the most low budget b-movie horror of all time and you could you could probably recreate it yourself if you can just find an oil rig and you got a bit of old like you know green sheet lying around did you think that the oil rig was the same set they used for the ship for the for the ajogan episode and just repurposed it I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I'm not imagining the budget for this series was particularly high and recycling anything possible. Like, it would not surprise me if a couple episodes down, we're going to see that bit of green tarpaulin come back. Yeah, like, it's going to be used for something else. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I've heard is, like, the first season did all right. So they, they, they got a second season. But they were really worried that um, it wasn't going to do that good. So that's why they changed it, and obviously it bombed. It bombed completely when it did second season. <laughs> I, th- I think it's, yeah, but it is one of those series, isn't it, where it's just kind of like it bombs at the time, but then later on, people start to be like, "Actually, that was really good." And this is our job to convince people. Actually, and that's, and that's what we're doing because this genuinely is really entertaining i mean you've probably listened to this and thought what the fuck are these three people talking about i don't understand anything that anyone said for the past god knows how long we've been doing this um but just go and watch it honestly it is it is just as ridiculous as we say it is and it's we wouldn't do it if it wasn't entertaining we wouldn't <laughs> we've got 19 more of these episodes to do and then we've got through the whole lot all 44 episodes <laughs> we've made a commitment to this you know what though the most endearing thing about this is that i've genuinely had people message me like i don't know what you guys are talking about but i really want to watch this series with you now and i want to watch it exactly the same time as you guys because this is really intriguing so we're definitely you know fueling the fire of um content Mm. why don't we um try and do like a, a live commentary well, we could do it as a special. We could do a. Yeah. We could stream it and do a do live commentary for one. Live, <laughs> live from LA. <laughs> we, we should try and get the pilot. We should try and do it for the pilot if we can find yeah. it. Um, a whole realm of possibilities, but I've got yeah. to say, uh, like I can't wait for next week. But Mister Nick Box, could you tell me what are the titles of next week's episodes that we will? Right. Uh, we can, sir. Let me just get them up for you so next week season two we have an episode called the strike during a normal day at baywatch mitch rescues a young man named jake from drowning he soon gets involved in a complex x-files type plot line where jake has a connection to with roswell incident in 1940 (laughs) (laughs) season one episode is called Deadly Vision, 
Destiny annoys Mitchin Garner by relating her visions of a series of murders they are investigating until she sees that Ryan is the next victim. Ooh. Ryan's the next victim. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, and just a quick sneak peek. I've just read a, a description for an episode that's two episodes away. And uh, Ryan goes undercover as a phone sex operator. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> That's episode six. So two weeks for that one, guys. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and as you can see, well, no, you can see, as you can hear, listeners, um, the descent into Baywatch Nights-related madness will further ensue over the next coming weeks. So thank you very, very, very much. Well, but, but before we sum it up, though, we need to, we need to vote on season one oh, yeah. or season two for this for this one so i uh, myself i'm gonna go this one i'm gonna say season two for this one uh, i it was just complete and utter just low budget rubbish and i loved it because it was so shit <laughs> basically it was so shit i loved it i just loved how like i just kept looking at it and laughing every time i saw this green torch i was just like this is so bad but it's so hard for me um, because, like, episode season two, I think, was the more solid episode of the two we watched this week. But that opening scene of season one. I know. This is the thing, right? I'm doing it on full episode. Because if it was just on the intro, if the intro was a separate thing, the intro of, <laughs> of season one would win straight but out. That intro was so good. I mean, that's like better than some, like, action movie intros. It was. Um, God, you, you're making me you're making me question my choices now. I am. I'm stuck. But is it fair? Is, is it fair to judge an episode purely on nine minutes in a nine minute intro, which had no nothing to do with the rest of the episode? This is the thing. Well, Mitch murdered somebody. I mean, <laughs> I'm still in shock that Mitch murdered somebody. This is difficult because I, I was judging it on a, the episode as a whole because I feel after that it all just went a bit. It did a bit everywhere, but that beginning was far superior to anything else from yeah anything else I that we've seen today. I do think it was the weakest episode I've seen so far. Yeah, season the season one episode, but again the intro saved it. Um, so yeah, I suppose I will go for season two because it was a strong, it was a, it was a solid episode. It was fun. It was, it was cheesy. James looks like he's going to disagree here from that face. Yeah, well, uh, I, I guess um, you know. Uh, Anna, <laughs> Anna, I mean, I could be swayed. Try and sway me if you think. It's yeah, so could I. <laughs> well, like you know, if we're going metaphorically speaking um, and anatomically speaking, slime isn't a solid. <laughs> um, but I, I loved both episodes I really did but for different reasons but for the <laughs> for the pure madness of that first 10 minutes and the fact that they just totally undermined the whole deeper darker side of the plot line I, and just kind of overshadowed it with Garner's ripped suit I'm going to have to go with season 1 episode 3 for, the, uh, for this one alright I'll change. I'm gonna go season one. As yeah. Well. Okay. Right. I'm, yeah. You've you've convinced me. Like it's. If I think about it, if I really think about it, I think, right? That intro was incredible, and the fact that they even brought up a serious plotline to then just scrap it just is just worth it winning just for being again so utterly shit that I almost think it's genius. And we got to meet Ray. 
Oh yeah, we did. Oh yeah, I mean Lou. Lou, yeah. Lou sorry. God, Lou. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be one. Lou. Yeah, Lou, the abuse plotline and the nine-minute most epic intro of all time. And I just love Garner. I, I, I really am a big fan of Garner. I, know, I miss Garner in, in season yeah. two. I think if Garner was in season two, I reckon like it would be even like ten times better. Well, apparently Garner was actually in Normal Baywatch. He's the, he's the cop that Mitch always deals with in Normal Baywatch. Okay. So it makes me want to watch some more normal Baywatch now. So see some. Maybe he'll make a cameo happening. later on. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe he'll appear in season two. Hmm. There's only one way to find out, though. And so for all our listeners, tune in next week. Maybe Garner will surprise pop up in season two. But before I do go, is there anything you guys would like to add as a little final note for today's... Um, like, and like our Facebook page... Send us an email if you want, Mitch, Mitch at theygoodfilmslike.co.uk. Um, and yeah, uh, no, oh, a shout out to the Bay Watched podcast. Uh, I've um, I listened to one of their episodes the other day, a uh, similar sort of a podcast to us, but they talk about ordinary Bay Watch and not Bay Watch Nights. Uh, some good banter on there, some good, some good theories. Uh, quite similar to ours so yeah shout out to the bay watched um uh podcast nice and I, I just want to say I, I just want to see more lou i'm just hoping lou's going to be back for the next episode right yeah. okay I, i'll totally back that up and uh yeah um i hope this um <laughs> this maelstrom of surreal comic insanity continues to go even further down the rabbit hole. That's all I'm going to say. I'm enjoying it. I mean, it. by that episode six, it sounds like we've got a lot to look forward to. Well, apparently episode five, they become gigolos, but we're uh, leave that. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Listeners, tune in next week. <laughs> see you later. See ya. <laughs> we'll see you next week. Oh. <laughs> Even if you can <laughs> <laughs>